following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Welcome to the Forbes Sports Money Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. On this show, we talk about the business of sports. Hey, everybody. It's Laurel, executive producer for Forbes Podcasts. For today's show, we hear the extended interview that took place in March between Mike and Chris Paul for Mike's TV show, Forbes Sports Money. So here we go. Chris, you've been an all-star, been on great teams. you got great endorsement deals. You're an investor in companies. Is there anything missing from your resume? Absolutely. A championship. <laughs> yeah. How bad do you want it? Oh, extremely bad. Uh, it's what I, you know, work hard towards day in and day out. And I know uh, it's, it's, hope, it's, it's coming, hopefully, sooner rather than later. What would a championship mean for your off-the-court businesses? Man, uh, I, I think it would mean a lot. You know, uh, I was talking to someone earlier and I was like, you know, everyone has a story. Everyone has an amazing story that they can tell about perseverance and how hard they work to get here or how hard they work to get there. But guess what? Nobody cares unless you win. Yeah. You have a phenomenal brand. You know, I kind of in some ways think of you as the uh, Derek Jeter of basketball. You know, man, very iconic, you know, uh, uh, tremendous image. How do you cultivate a brand like that? Uh, I think for me in cultivating my brand and who I am and what I stand for, it has to be authentic to who you are. And, and for me, everything goes back to my childhood and, and my values. And uh, it has a lot to do with my parents and my upbringing. And I first want to let you know I'm uh, no saint by any means or anything like that. Uh, I have my different issues just like anyone else. But the passion that I have for my family is like nothing else. Like I enjoy what I do. I enjoy playing basketball, but that's not who I am. Tell me about your grandfather's gas station. Yeah. So my, my late grandfather who was murdered my junior year in high school, uh, was my granddad was my best friend. A lot of people have classmates or whoever may be their best friend, but my granddad was, was my everything. When I got in trouble with my parents, I called my granddad, uh, when I wanted some new shoes and I knew I needed to work for it, I called my granddad. And that's where I really got a chance to understand the value of a dollar. Uh, my granddad, shh, he made us work for it, whatever it was. Uh, he had full service and self-service, all right? So people would pull up at the self-service and me and my brother would like race and try to run out there to pump the gas for the people before they got out the car. And back then, you know, we, we were what you would call hustling. You know, somebody might want their tank filled up, you know, but you might put thirty nine fifty in it, you know what I mean, just so, you know, they're going to give you $40 and be like, hey, kid, keep that 50 cent. You know, that way we could go get something out of the snack machine. Well, you're talking to somebody who spent four years working in a car wash, and it was four fifty at the time, and yeah. so I did the same thing. Yeah. So I know what so, you're talking man, about. <laughs> I can tell you how much inspections used to cost. Inspections used to cost $19.40. And taking a moment to thank our sponsors, Varidesk, Rocket Mortgage, and ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. You'll hear more about these companies later in the show. I'm sure there are people watching this show, some youngsters, 
who would love some advice on how to cultivate a brand, on how to create something that's bigger than just about what they achieve on the court, on the baseball diamond or the football field. What advice would you give them? My advice would be uh, to figure out your why or, or what moves you or what drives you. Um, for me, I have an unbelievable passion for kids. Through my partnership with State Farm, we've had an opportunity to do a number of things other than just the commercial spots that you see. We, we've went into underserved communities and started putting technology centers and learning labs because we're trying to level the playing field. You know, I, I've been so blessed and fortunate for my kids to go to these schools that have the, the smart boards and the iPads and all these different type things. But these kids that, that grow up on the other side of town don't have the access to this. So, um, you know, just trying to level the playing field. So that's really my passion. When I look at some of your endorsements and your investments, they seem to carry themes with them. Uh, not just about putting your name on something. So I'm thinking about the, the yellow dragon with the, with the Jordan basketball sneakers, uh, the Chevron sign. Is this something you deliberately do? Absolutely. Uh, one of my other passions is telling stories. You know, and we, we have a production company, ODIP, and we had an opportunity to do my chapter three, uh, my transition from L.A. to Houston with that production company. And the Chevron situation is telling stories. Every last one of my shoes, one through 11, somewhere on the shoe, you'll find a Chevron logo. And that's just about my grandfather being with me all the time. Every time I'm on the court and I lace up my shoe, I feel like my grandfather's with me. So telling stories. And now uh, as I've gotten older, it's an opportunity to show younger guys and other guys who are coming up after me, you know, ways to expand their brand and give them opportunity to tell their story. Is it also important, uh, it seems like to me anyway, your strategy has been moving towards where you want to be an equity investor in the businesses. I'm thinking about music, and you're also hands-on designer, right? You're, right. you're working with the accessory company for men's apparel. Uh, you're a very involved guy. Is that more important than just getting a check from somebody and saying, here? You know, that's very important, whether it be music, whether it be Hook and Albert, uh, who we've done an unbelievable partnership with uh, Adam and Corey. They've been great. And then also with Turner Impact Investment. All this stuff is meaningful. And for me, I don't believe in just throwing my name on something because that represents me. That represents my family, uh, my basketball academy that I have back home, the CP3 Basketball Academy. I'm constantly on the phone with the, the coaches that are in my AAU program because it's real. And people know when you're involved. That's like when I do my basketball camps during the summer. You can't expect these people to come to these camps and not see you. You know, like these kids are coming to Chris Paul basketball camp to see him, you know, and they want to hear, you know, your stories. And that's why I try to be as hands on as possible with as much as I can. You know, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because it seems from afar that there's no strategy, is the eclectic list of things you're involved with. Panini and food, State Farm and insurance, you know, electronics with music. What theme is there that falls behind all of these either endorsements or investments? The theme is growth, I think, and, and how things change. Uh, when I first came into the NBA, you do think of like, let me just get this endorsement check. Let me go here and hold whatever you want me to hold, and I'm going to just smile and take a picture. But a as you get older and you understand the business, uh, 
I want it to be things that's unique to me and, and what I really believe in, which is why I have the partnership with water, Watermelon Water and not just some other drink company because it's all about living a healthy lifestyle. And all the things that I'm partnered in and a part of right now are things that uh, I truly believe in and they're not just a one-off. And another thing that I've learned in this business world too is that whatever you invest in or whatever you, you're a part of, um, you have to believe in the people, the people that are a part, a part of that company, because at the end of the day, that's who is going to be driving the business and what's going on. And we'll be right back after this quick break. Support for the Forbes Sports Money podcast comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans, the mortgage company that decided to ask why. Why can't clients get approved in minutes rather than weeks? Why can't they make adjustments to their rate and term in real time? And why can't there be a client-focused technological mortgage revolution? Quicken Loans answered all these questions and more with Rocket Mortgage. Rocket Mortgage gives you the confidence you need when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. Whether you're looking to buy your first home or your 10th, with Rocket Mortgage you get a transparent, online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully. Mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com Forbes. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And there's ZipRecruiter. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They even spotlight the strongest applications you receive, so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Businesses of all sizes trust ZipRecruiter for their hiring needs. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash Forbes. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. You're tight with some very successful people outside of basketball. Bob Iger, the boss at Walt Disney, for one. The boss. <laughs> right? He's running the show. What really has he been able to help you with? What type of advice has he given you that's really enabled you to be so successful off the court? Oh, man. Uh, I don't know if I listen enough. <laughs> I don't know if I listen, listen enough to, to Bob. It's more than just the business aspect that, that goes along with him. Uh, obviously, the things that he's done as far as acquiring, what is it, Pixar and Star Wars and all this, and, and recently Fox and all that stuff. I think 
um, even aside from the business part, is is the balance. It's the balance. Uh, that's what I pay attention to the most with, with Bob, to know how involved he is in big business that's going on daily. But uh, I'm more intrigued about Max and Will, his kids, and how he makes time for them. And that's what it's all about. You can be involved in as much business as you want to, but if you don't have that healthy balance, then you'll drive yourself nuts. What about Jay-Z, another friend of yours? Yeah, uh, Jay is another guy, too. And and what drew me to those two guys was how driven they are, you know, like I said, business-wise and never settling for less and always pushing the envelope. But it goes back again to uh, the family aspect of it. Um, You know, a lot of our conversations aren't even about business. It's, It's about, you know, the kids. You know, Jay is a father of three now. And... Is it's that balance and really trying to find that 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 happiness, that happy medium. It, it seems like what you're telling me is that type of balance that you're looking for, really you can only get from having a connection with your kids. What has that meant for you to be able to have that connection with your kids? And that, that's been everything, you know, to to be involved in the different uh, business endeavors that I have going on. Your kids don't see that. You know, they don't, they don't really get a chance to see it. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of traveling. It's a lot of going here, going there. And uh, I don't know about you, but FaceTime sometimes not enough. Right, right. Seriously, my, my, my daughter, she's almost at the point where when I'm on FaceTime, she's like, whatever, daddy. If you're not here, you know, out of sight, out of mind. But um, communication, communication. Anytime I'm leaving to go on a trip, I try to communicate with them so that they know uh, that daddy's working working hard for them and just understanding that they're my why. They're why I play the way that I do and why I'm always trying to uh, achieve new things. It's amazing what you say about your kids because I feel like what my daughter's 10 and she's our only child. And I feel like through her, I've learned to listen more. Not enough, no. but more than I used to. Like before, I used to just talk, 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 talk. And when I would listen to you talk, I really wasn't listening to what you were saying. It was just to find out when you stopped talking so I could talk some more, you know? And so, I, so I feel like I've gotten some out of that. It, it, it's almost, so, without sounding like a preacher, it almost seems like a societal thing. You know, if we'd all listen more and talk less, maybe things would be a little bit better. I get amazed sometimes at what my kids have taught me. When I'm traveling on the road, I'm constantly on my phone, on my iPad, watching games and what you just said is the realest thing is that I had to learn to listen more. Uh, even though I'm on the road, uh, my son's reading a Goosebumps book. So I ordered the same one that he's reading and was like, this is going to be an opportunity for me that even though I'm not there, you know, me and you we, will read a book at the same time. And then um, just riding in the car, letting him talk, letting him talk. He's helped me to listen instead of talking right. you know, at him like you just said. Have you ever had the opportunity to uh, meet with Junior Bridgman? Man, yes. Oh, yes. All right. Yes. Yeah. So, so, so Junior, Junior Bridgman was actually on our advisory board uh, when we were trying to, to decide uh, on our new executive director, who ended up being. Michelle I did Roberts. not know that. I should have known that yes. in my research. Yes. I, I asked because a lot of like how you sound. I, I in, had the pleasure of interviewing Junior Bridgman like about three years ago. I went out right. to Kentucky. You Did know? you? Oh, man. Yeah, because when I was a kid growing up, I mean, he was like, you know, one of my idols. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, so, so Junior Bridgman, a really good 
friend of mine and one of my uh, vets was Chauncey Billups. And so Junior has taken Chauncey, I think, so, sort of under his wing. And, wow, that's good for him. Yeah. But one of the things, uh, not only do I hear, get a lot of the same energy out of you, same sort of thought process that I had from Junior, but also he, at the time, was getting out of the restaurants he had and going into, I think it was a Coca-Cola distribu- distributorship. Okay. And when I asked him about that, you know, he, he said the reason was it, was it was a better way to set up his family you know, uh, for the long-term, the really? long-term future. As relates to your businesses, investments and endorsements and how you're positioning yourself, do you consider uh, what you're going to be leaving behind for your family? I always think about that. I always think about my family, but I also think about my team, all the people that work for me and with me. And um, just trying to figure out what their why is, too. Uh, I've, I've been put in a unique situation where I've had an opportunity to meet a number of people, a number of great people in business and things like that. And this may sound crazy, but uh, even my chef, uh, Courtney, Candace, I saw everyone that works around. I asked them, like, what's their end goal? Hmm. You know, what's their end goal? I remember I talked to my chef about it. I was like, now, if you plan on being my chef for the next 20, 30 years of your life, then that's fine. But I, I just want to know because a lot of times when people work, right, Whatever it may be, if they're not happy, then what? They're probably going to be looking for another job, you know? And for me, being someone who's not big on change, I want to know what your end goal is because at the same time, as we're working together, I may be able to help you to get to that, you know? And with us and with my family and all of us as a unit, we're a team. We're all together. So I just want to know what your your end goal is. You're saying you're not big on change? Nah, really? I mean, I was Because it seems like a lot of stuff's changing. <laughs> I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, the shift in teams uh, that happens with a lot of players, but the shift in evolution of your businesses and what you've been doing off the court. So, I mean, is, is, does that mean that that's a challenge for you, a bit of a struggle because um, you don't like to change so much? Somewhat. It may sound crazy or the same thing, but I think that may just be growth, mm-hmm. not so much change. And when I say change, I, I, I sort of mean sort of the people around me, uh-huh. like my team, you know, like my, my family. We roll deep. We roll deep. My parents, everywhere I go, they're going to be there. My brother, everybody. And so that's sort of what I mean when I say change. All right. What does social impact investing mean for you? Social impact investing is something that I remember when I initially got introduced to it some years ago with, with a great guy named Bobby Turner. And he basically told me how he had been involved in private equity for years and managed these billions of dollars. And he realized at at some point that having a lot of money was only going to give you like a comfortable misery. Right. And so he talked to me about even the things that I do as far as the learning labs and the learning centers and how that's all good and well. But in order to really, really make a difference, it costs. It costs and you really have to try to go into the infrastructure and change different things. So with the housing funds that we have, you know, we we realize that when you go into these housing developments, a lot of times the the turnover is because of the vacancies. Mm -hmm. People just aren't safe and secure and they're not having the proper resources in where they live. So if we subsidize a housing uh, unit with a teacher or a medical uh, physician or with a law enforcement officer and have a police uh, car in front of the house, then people are going to feel a lot safer. 
their kids are going to uh, be getting the proper tutoring. And that way, everyone will feel safer. And that's what kids need in an environment where they live. What does being president of the NBA Players Association mean to you? Man, first and foremost, it's an honor and a privilege. Uh, and initially, I wanted no parts of it. No parts of it. When we had the votes out in Vegas uh, four or five years ago, uh, I was just there on the executive committee waiting to see who we were going to vote in as the president. And a few players came up to me and was like, Chris, we need you to do it. And I was like, whoa, no, I don't have that kind of time. You know, seriously, I'm trying to set up my own personal business in this pursuit for a championship. The first person I went and asked was my wife. I asked her. I asked her and... She said, well, if they came to you, then, you know, it's a position of service. And I'm so grateful to James Jones and Roger Mason, all the other guys that were on the executive committee, because uh, we were charged with the tough task to turn, turn around our union. And we got some amazing players because to see what our union is set up today is pretty impressive. What's been the hardest part of the job? Man, the hardest part of the job is, is understanding that it's not your own personal entity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's decisions that have to be made that that don't just represent you. And, and I am so fortunate to have an ex- unbelievable executive committee and our players. Our players are so inclusive now. I remember years ago when players at times didn't feel like we had a voice. So now, you know, that we we sort of took our union back and we, we have a, a, a for profit now, a 450 Inc., where players, you know, we, we get a chance to really uh, be those notable guys where, you, you know, we don't wear helmets, we don't wear pads, everyone knows who we are, and the sky's the limit. And we'll be right back after this quick break. This year, the office cubicle turns 50 years old. It hails from an age when work was done on typewriters and smoking at your desk was the norm. Today, employees are expecting more from their workspace. They want flexible and active spaces where they can collaborate and feel energized. Varidesk Active Workspace Solutions make it easy to encourage more movement to any workday. Being more active at work, like standing more and sitting less, can help improve your health, boost energy, and increase productivity. Varidesk has a variety of desk solutions that replace traditional office setups, require little to no assembly, and are ready to use in minutes. Plus, Varidesk products are made from commercial-grade materials meant to last a lifetime. They're easy to move or reconfigure as businesses change and grow. You can try Varidesk risk-free for 30 days with free shipping and free returns if you're not satisfied. See it for yourself at Varidesk.com. That's V-A-R-I-Desk.com. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance, Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Michelle Roberts is your boss. She's the, right. she's the chief of the union. She's getting rave reviews, yet you and her have both stated publicly there's more that needs to be done. Right. What do you think has the most urgency over the next couple of years? Just continue to get our player involvement as it is. Since Michelle's been the executive director, I think one of the biggest things that we've done is, as players, the entire body of players, is the health insurance that we provide for retired players. No other league has done such a thing. And, you know, on a nightly basis when we go into games, uh, retired players come up and be like, thanks, thanks. You know, and I'm like, 
don't, no thanks to me. It's thanks to the players that we have because that's big. The players that came before us didn't have all the type of training and the training staffs that we, we have now, and that's tough. That's tough, but it really shows that it really is one big uh, brotherhood. NBA team values have been going through the roof, tough. right? Um, your new boss, Mr. Fertitta, $2.2 billion for the Houston Rockets, all-time record for an NBA team. Before that, Steve Ballmer, $2 billion for the Clippers. I don't know, wherever you go, guys right, seem to be right, paying like, you know, a record man, amount for a franchise. Goodness. Some players, some players have come out and said with the CBA, you know, we may not be getting enough. We, we, we're getting about half of overall revenue. But at the same time, maybe the way these values are going, we should be getting a little piece of that too. You know, is, is that something that's becoming a concern of the union? Or, or do they generally feel that, you know what, we've gotten sort of an equal share of this benefit given the stability and, and how salaries have gone up? I think our game right now is at an all-time high. All-time high viewership partnerships around the league, uh, the excitement around our league. It's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Um, We just had a meeting at All-Star with our players, and everyone's excited about the game, and everybody's excited about the growth of it. You know, everything comes down, as you know, to to BRI. You know, so we both, uh, the players along with the league, we – we share in the growth of the game. And so I think that's what we try to do as players is continue to go out and uh, grow the game as much as possible. Speaking about growing the game, China. Right. Tremendous growth. Yeah. You guys go there, you're like, if you're rock stars here, you're like rock stars oh, yeah. on personified <laughs> times 10 right. out there. What do you see when you go to China? And, and, and what's their reaction to the growth of the NBA have you game been? out there? Have you been I have not. Oh, my goodness. Uh, it's nothing like it. Nothing like, and I, I mean that you, that should be one of your, one of your things. You should follow a player or something like that when they go on their China tour, because the way that we're received over there is nothing like it. Nothing like it. Uh, Yao Ming, uh, who played for the Rockets years ago, obviously uh, started with getting an interest in the game, but it is, I mean, they, the fans in China, you may be staying at a hotel and you may go in at night, right? Nine o'clock, ten o'clock. It might be seven o'clock. You come out at seven in the morning. You gonna see some of those same fans just just right there, and that's why our game continues to grow. Does you know the fact that Yao Ming starred with the Houston Rockets? Does that still resonate with China? Do they sort of consider you know the Houston Rockets to be their team, their brand? Uh, I think so. Uh, this is obviously my first year with the team, and, and I've gotten a chance to see it. I think our team usually goes and plays in China preseason every two to three years. We have a, a, a guy on our team right now, Joe Chi, who uh, is an up-and-coming star, if you ask me, who, who's from China and can really play. What was the reaction like when Fertitta came in and bought the Rockets after the team had been – I realize you're – new at the Rockets yourself this season, but the team had been owned by Mr. Alexander for so many years, and all of a sudden, here comes this guy that owns a casino, owns a lot of restaurants, buying a basketball team. You know, uh, it's crazy because I've been through a number of different things since I've been in the NBA, and uh, once the trade happened, Mr. Alexander and 
Tad Brown and Dan Tony, those guys came out to L.A. I went to dinner with them and everything. They gave me a jersey for the first time and was excited. And I don't know, it was a couple weeks later, a month later, I landed in Punta Cana with my family, all my family. And I get a phone call from Tad. It says that uh, Mr. Alexander is putting the team up for sale. I was like, what? What? How is that? You know, like, what, what's going on? And then the process happened and, and, and Tillman bought the team, Mr. Fertitta. And they have been amazing. Like, they, they've been great, him and his family. Uh, and like I've talked about with Bob and Jay, one of the biggest things that I've seen about Tillman from, from day one is the day that I met him, he had his kids with him. And if you see every game, his sons are always there at his games and involved. And I think that says a lot about him. How do you get through, or I should really say, how did it impact your growth? The fact that you were on three very different franchises that were going through very different things. You know, you're down in New Orleans. The team was put up for sale. The NBA ends up taking it over. Go out to the Clippers, another situation. The guy who owns it gets in all kinds of hot water. He has to sell the team. Now back here with the Rockets. I mean, that had to be like a crazy trip in some ways. Man, you know what? I get asked a lot of questions. That's probably the first time anybody's ever asked that question that way. And the answer is, I don't know how I got through it. I think I'm still, you know, learning and, and dealing with it now. It has definitely been a roller coaster. You learn different things from each situation. You watch how everything is handled. But, uh, yeah, man, those six years in New Orleans and then my team being owned by the NBA – and a trade being vetoed, and then going through the Sterling situation in L.A., and then, man, I don't know. Ownership must not be crazy about me, huh? <laughs> no, I'm thinking, but, but from your own personal growth, it had to be tremendous, you know, yeah. not consciously necessarily. Right. But I'm just thinking, you know, you're in this one situation, a small market in New Orleans, you yeah. know, and, and, and the guy owning it, you know, wanting to get rid of it, and then, you know, the NBA owns it. And then the Clippers and big market team, Right. Some would say not the best owner. Then all of a sudden the NBA is involved with that. And I'm, it almost seems to me, right, as, as looking on the outside, that for the first time it seems you're totally unencumbered right. by any problems where right. you're playing. Right. Yeah, and, and it's funny because I guess for me I've always just been in it and just trying to stay focused on, like, the task at hand that I'm not looking at it as this big issue, Right. I'm sure everyone else on the outside, mm-hmm. you know, even if you look back to the situation in L.A., you know, me, I'm trying to get my team ready for games. You know, I'm trying to figure out how all that's going on. So, yeah, I, I think right now I'm just, you know, in the moment. Would you ever want to own an NBA team or a professional sports team? Absolutely. Absolutely. Just NBA or, with you know, football, soccer? Yeah, at, um any of the above. You know, you you can get thrown through the ringer, too. I mean, I'm just thinking about Derek Jeter, right? I mean, he's gone through some tough times there in the press in Miami. You know, I mean, they're saying he's been cutting payroll, doing this. I mean, that would seem like it would have to be a big decision whereby, you know, you, as a guy who's got this great image, this great brand, all of a sudden the fans are looking at you, not as the player anymore, as the owner. It's his fault if it's not going well. it, It happens. It happens, but that's part of the evolution that we talked about. I've actually um, been looking into uh, the Winston-Salem Dash, which is a, 
uh, a minor league team in my my home my hometown of Winston Salem, North Carolina. How would all of your experiences you've had in the NBA, the different teams, how would that come to impact you as an owner of an NBA team one day? Man, uh, hopefully that's a ways from now, but uh, I, I think just paying attention, you know, over the over the years and, and seeing how different things operate and. Obviously, I'm not the owner of of a team, you know, right now. But I, I do have a team of my own. So just just seeing leadership and, and how it goes and how uh, different things are supposed to feel, and you know, you you can't have all the answers. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I've learned in the position that I have with the president uh, of the Players Association is delegating. Is delegating. You can't be the one that knows everything. I could see one day Chris Paul owning an NBA team. Give me the best part of each of these people you know in terms of what you would take from them to help you run this team. Jay-Z, Bob Iger, even going way back to when you had lunch with Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. What's the best part of them that you incorporate with all your experiences and you run this NBA team? Oh, man. Uh, I could probably just draw two two things from, well, from two people, from, from Jay and Bob. I think from Jay, uh, just his vision of um, entertainment, right? Like a lot of people don't realize that whole situation with the Brooklyn Nets, with the, it sort of being a dim where the fans sit and the light being on the court, you know, I think that came from Jay, you know, and just being a performer and wanting it to be like everything on the court right you know and so just knowing uh going to his concerts and his shows and knowing how much attention he pays to detail of the entertainment aspect of it so if that's the in arena fan experience everything like he pays attention to that and the same thing with bob you know what i mean he uh basically runs the the happiest place on earth right and um, he's always had to pay attention to all those different type things and understanding how to deal with so many different people. And he has to delegate more than anybody, you know, and having uh, there's a head of ESPN, a head of ABC, of Star Wars, of Pixar and all these different people. And for him to be able to manage that, you know, that would definitely be one of the first people I go to. <laughs> that reminded me of one question. I'm sorry before I get back. You have a production company, you make films. Do you ever want to expand on that after your career and maybe either have the huge acting roles yourself or make big motion pictures? I mean, Bob Iger is one of your guys. Man, uh, you know, when I'm done playing, I, I think there's a number of things, or even before I'm done playing, there's a number of uh, opportunities I would love to explore, and I would never say no to any of that, any of that. In terms of next businesses you'd get involved with while you're still playing. Is there anything on the horizon that you're looking at that we may see you move into over uh, the next it's, year? It's a number of different things, but uh, one of the biggest things, and I, I'll tell you this, uh, about the NBA and, and the way it works, and uh, it's, it's actually been a conversation with Adam, and we're trying to figure out how, how to basically do this, and that I don't know if you know, but if you're a player you're not allowed to like have ownership with anything else that another owner um, is involved in.
No, I did not know that. Right. So because it's like a conflict of interest okay. or uh, what is it called? Um, circumvention of the cap and all that stuff like that. And it's something that we're, we're going oh, right. okay. to continue to, to have dialogue about because nowadays uh, you have owners that don't just own uh, the team. You know, they're involved in a ton of other tech things and business things and other things. And those opportunities are there for us as players also. So we have to try to, you know, figure out ways that our players continue to, you know, be involved in them. That's a great point because I don't know if you still are, but you used to be involved with FanDuel, I think it was. was it, or it was sort of like endorsement. Endorsement, like you know. But anyway, that aside, I mean, you know, the leagues – in terms with DraftKings and FanDuel, the daily fantasy sports site, you know, the leagues themselves were investing that. And sometimes the leagues, some of the owners, you know, guys like Jerry Jones were putting money into it. So on the one hand, they're saying we don't want gambling. On the other hand, they're getting involved with these, these things, you know. And it would also seem that if you have these other businesses, number one, it's hard to track, right? If I'm an owner, well, and I own some real estate company that's called you know, ABC Inc. Right. Really, anybody going to really know that? I, I don't know. In this day and age, it's a bad thing if the players are involved. Because you don't you want the players, many of whom leave college before they get their degrees, to learn other businesses. Well, I, exactly. And that's, that's you know, where, where I, I, I sort of talk about it. You know, when you come into the league, this profession, everyone's always told, you know, meet these different people who sit courtside and all these different people that are involved in, in businesses, right? You know, your owners or your team and stuff like that. You, you want to meet them and find out, you know, how you can invest in different things. So it's, it's something that obviously I think both sides want to try to figure out and that we need to figure out because if, if you have to wait until you're done playing to finally get involved with businesses, then that makes it tough. You talk about how, you know, you're writing a story and you want your business deals to be telling stories. Your career is a story. What's been written up to this point, and how would you like to see the story come to a conclusion? Tell you the truth, right now, it's a whole lot of blah, blah, blah that's been written. (laughs) It's a whole lot of it. And ultimately, the story will have a a real nice, nice ending, twist, whatever, you know, for me, it's not an ending because I want the championship to come and then some more of the story. I just want the championship to just be another chapter, just to be another chapter. But it's, it's still a lot to be written. And then another thing, too, is that basketball is just part of it. I think basketball is just part of my story. You know, they, they always say this ball is going to stop bouncing at some point. You know, but one, one day... Um, if they talking about my basketball accomplishments as the best thing that I did in my life, then, you know, my life wasn't, wasn't, wasn't worth much, too much. What's your sense of esports? Got a lot of the leagues, teams, and players now investing in esports. Right. Um, is this a real business boom we're starting to see, or do you, or do you think this is a fad that's just going to go I don't think away? it's a fad. I think it's a real thing. I think it's a real thing. I had an opportunity to uh, see... Uh, when we played in L.A. a couple of weeks ago, one of the esports teams came to, uh, to practice. It, it's a real thing. You know, these guys have their houses. They have their team mom. They, you know, they practice all day and they it's, it's real. It's not going anywhere. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Big family guy like yourself. Listen to your wife, your kids. You ever get any good suggestions from them in terms of, you know, 
Dad, maybe you ought to like think about getting aligned with this business after, or just absorb observing them. You know, I know some guys have said, you know, wow, you know, look at how my my kid and his friends are so into esports. They think you know, maybe I ought to look into. You know, that. it's funny you say that. Somewhat with esports or whatnot, because like you said, like our kids, they got these tablets in front of them all the time, and it, and it blew my mind one day when I saw my son looking at someone else playing 2K. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So there, there are people with these games now that they look at YouTube of somebody else playing. Like, that's how they get good in the games. Like, there are people who get paid to literally be online playing the video game, and there are a million people streaming in watching that person play. Like, it blew my mind. Like, I was like, Chris, what are you doing? Oh, watching this guy play this game? Like, why don't you play the game? You know, really. But <laughs> right. that's real business, and it shows you that this esports is, is real and it's not going anywhere. What do you want your legacy to be? That, that I made a, an impact change in, in society and life. And I don't know. Like, basketball-wise, that I played the right way. You know what I mean? That I played hard and I competed every night. But I think for me, it's more so uh, having something that my kids can be proud of. Why do you think the Jordan brand in basketball shoes has been so successful for so many years, long after Michael Jordan retired, and it's still number one? You want the simple answer? It's championships and winning and excellence. It's what what MJ stood for. You know, it was just winning, like, all the time and in the moments. Like, when you talk about storytelling... Right. And, and I've always paid attention to it. And I've been a part of Brand Jordan now for 12 years. But uh, every shoe that drops. Right. Sometimes the same shoe that came out 15 years ago will come right mm-hmm. back out. Right. But it's about the stories that you can tell about the shoe. Like the Jordan 12s, they're called the flu game. Everybody remembers that game in Utah when MJ was sick and had the flu. Right. So what we always talk about. The story that you can tell, but nobody cares unless you win. He won a championship in those shoes, so he can tell those stories year in and year out for as long as you want. What type of story does your shoe tell? Uh, right now, my, my shoe tells a story about my family, about, uh, you know, big moments. Some of the shoes over the years have had big moments, but none of them yet have told a story of a championship, and that's what I needed, that's what I needed to tell. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. New to Podcast One, Office Hours with Spencer Raskoff. Hi, I'm Spencer Raskoff, the CEO of Zillow Group. Listen as I have one-on-one conversations with other CEOs. We have the kind of conversations that can only happen between peers, tackling tough questions, sharing hard-won insights, and helping to define what leadership means today. You can find his show and other great business-related shows like Forbes Interview and Forbes Under 30 exclusively on Apple Podcasts, PodcastOne.com, and the new Podcast One app. At Farmers Insurance, we know the sound of a perfect hot air balloon landing. And a less than perfect one. Seen it, covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state.
At the border, I'm Ed Donahue with an AP News Minute. At the roundtable discussion today in San Antonio, Texas, President Trump heard something he said he never heard before about life along the border. Many people are dying, and the danger of living here, unless you know exactly what you're doing, is tremendous. This is Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick. Where are the people in Washington to stand up for these children, these women, these senior citizens? Where are they? Bring them down. Mr. President, let the Democrats come down to Brooks County. Let them come to any of these ranches. Let them see these bodies. Let them see the skeletons. We have the photographs. Attorney General William Barr says he thinks spying did occur on Donald Trump's presidential campaign, suggesting the origins of the Russia investigation may have been mishandled. Scientists released the first image ever made of a black hole, revealing a fiery ring of gravity-twisted light swirling around the edge of the abyss. One scientist said science fiction has become science fact. I'm Ed Donahue.